All discussion during the Invest Wisely program is intended for informational and educational purposes. It is not an offer to buy or sell or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. We do not offer tax, accounting, or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor before making any decision that could affect your tax or legal situation. All investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. You should carefully consider investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of any investment before investing. Diversification and asset allocation do not guarantee a profit or guarantee against loss. Securities and investment advisory services are offered by Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member NYSE, FINRA, and SIPC. And welcome again to Invest Wisely. Your expert is Walt Sakira from the AKW Group here in Akron and also in Washington, Pennsylvania. He's the managing partner there. The AKW Group takes their clients' money and invests it in individually owned stocks in custom-made portfolios designed exactly for the purpose that the client wants, whether it's saving for retirement, being in retirement, or whatever their goal is, they can help you reach that goal by investing in the stock market. So, while taking a look at, well, last week, we ended the, uh, the worst quarter since the pandemic began two years ago. So that was not a good sign, but uh, maybe, maybe things are looking better, at least as far as Friday was concerned. Absolutely, Bob. Yeah, we we uh, ended March with a little bit of an upturn, and you know the market was starting to show uh, some strength last week. Uh, we eked out a small gain on the S and P 500 index. It uh, was up a 0.1 percent. Uh, it currently sits at 4,545, and year to date, we're off 4.6 percent in that S and P, and that's a lot better uh, than what we were earlier in the year. And then the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 0.1% for the week, and, and we sit at, again, negative 4.2% for the year, right around 34,818. The NASDAQ was up 0.7 for the week. Uh, Year-to-date, we're only off 8.8%. And the Russell 2000, that uh, measure of the small mid-cap stocks, was up 0.6% and sits at down 6.9%. So, the numbers, the numbers definitely feel a little bit better, Bob, than what they did um, when we were, you know, in January and February, and uh, you know, at the beginning of the war. Um, I think a lot of people were, you know, losing confidence. Uh, you know, in the market, it seems like some of that confidence has come back. Uh, we saw oil prices fall 12 percent, almost 12 and a half percent. We're down under a hundred dollars a barrel, and uh, you know, we see interest rates obviously pushing forward a little bit. So. A lot to pay attention to here and, um, you know, kind of kind of keep those investment plans rolling forward. And of course, the things we just talked about, you talked about the war, uh, inflation. Uh, again, we're so concerned about the high valuation for stocks as the year began. We have the uncertainty out there. Um, elections are coming up uh, in the fall. Yet uh, you are noticing that uh, the sell-off mentality is becoming more of a buy-back mentality in the last week. Now, what has uh, really changed about that? Well, Bob, you know, a lot of what's changed is it's real simple. It's just price. Um, you know, the, the pricing has changed. And it's it's one of the, you know, things that we really probably shouldn't pay as much attention to as we do. But, um, you know, my professor days and, and all my teaching days, you know, teaching a lot, a lot of marketing, retail, entrepreneurship-type classes, I know how important price changes are. And, 
you know, price changes matter in investments as well. <clears throat> so, you know, we had the fear of missing out, uh, the uh, FOMO, F-O-M-O uh, type of acronym there for a while, for about two years. People, you know, wanted to get in. They they didn't, you know, they didn't want to miss out. Then we kind of went through a little, little, little what I say, F-O-L-E, fear, fear of losing everything. You know, when markets start to go down, everybody starts to, you know, worry how far can it go, how far is this trend going to be down. Um, there's a lot of studies and academic research out there about loss aversion. Um, you know that we know that humans uh, don't like to lose, and the feeling towards loss is is much more powerful than gain. So you know, I think that's really what's changed. You know, prices have firmed up a little bit. Uh, as the prices have firmed up, and you know, some stocks have come back, the markets come back. People feel a little bit better, and when stocks are going down, everybody feels a little bit worse. And like I said, those are sometimes the worst things to pay attention to. Um, I always use the analogy about someone's house. I say, you know, if you knew your house was worth two hundred thousand dollars, and I knocked on your door and I was standing on your porch and I said, "Hey, I'll give you one hundred fifty thousand dollars," you tell me to get off your porch and go away. And and that's really what you have to do when prices change, you know, in the market because they're just offers. You know, these prices come out, but we we have to look at our stocks and say, "Get off my porch." You know, we're not going to sell these stocks at these prices and. Um, but but price changes definitely you know change the way people feel about their investments. Now with the things that have been happening, you know, these headlines are like if if the market really doesn't uh, care about the headlines, then what do they really care about? Well, the market cares about the headlines when it does, and it doesn't care about them when it doesn't. Sometimes, Bob, the the news is baked in a little bit. You know, people anticipate you know what's going to happen, so sometimes. Uh, the market's forward-looking, and it you know it, it takes into account a lot of things. And sometimes there's new items that surprise the market a little bit. Uh, so headlines, you know, it's a mixed bag. I mean, it doesn't always impact. You know, sometimes people call me and say, "What happened today?" And you know, sometimes things have happened that are new um, that maybe you know are being impacted in the market. But a lot of times it's just trends that are playing out uh, from information that we know and, and information that we're anticipating as we look forward. Once again, we're talking to Walt Sakira of the AKW Group here in Akron. If you have any comments or questions about the market, want to talk to Walt about the things that are bothering you, 330-673-1234 is our advice line number to call. Now, uh, drawdowns or, or movements from highs to lows are, are common in the market. They happen every single year. But is this year any, any different than others? Does it feel a bit different? Well, I think it was a little bit more violent. And I think on top of that violence, there was the, the violence of the war that broke out. So that 13% down movement, uh, you know, has now created a question mark to, uh, you know, what, what we're looking at for the year. But you go back, Bob, and I mean, I'll just go back the last couple of years. In 2021, we saw a downdraft of about 5.2%, negative 5.2%. In 2020, we were down 33.9%, of course, with COVID. In 2019, we were down 6.8% at one point in, the, in that year. In 2018, we were down 19.8% in one year. And you can just go back every single year and you see there's drawdowns. There's points from the highs to the, you know, to, it, when a market hits a certain peak, it may fall back. It doesn't mean the market isn't going to end up higher. You know, we always have these moments at any given year where there's a drawdown in securities. And we just have to re- realize that that's just part of investing. You know, these things don't go straight up. Um, you know, this isn't a bank account where you're getting a set amount of interest where it comes in, you know, consistently. Your, your returns comes and, and fits and starts and, you know, fallbacks, and you're going to have a lot of movement, you know, all over the place. But uh, we're starting to see some improvement here, and hopefully this year ends up in one of those positive years. Um, 
2018 was the last down year for for quite a while. We were down 4.4% for the entire year. And then you got to go all the way back to 2008 when we finished that year down 37%. And of course, that was at the uh, the part of the you know the the mortgage crisis and the financial crisis that we had going on out there. So uh, the market is going to move around, and and you got to be uh, confident and make sure you have a good investment plan so you can stay put. Now, one of the things they were talking about last week, one of the buzzwords that was uh, bandied about, was a uh, inversion of the yield curve. Now, what does that mean to an investor? curve, Bob, if you think of a yield curve, you know, for every year that you go out, you would expect to get a little higher interest. So if we look at the, you know, a treasury yield curve, a two-year treasury, we would expect to get a certain percent. If we're going to lock our money up for five years, we would expect more. Ten years, we would expect more than the five-year. Thirty-year, we'd expect more than the ten-year. But what happens sometimes is short-term rates move up higher than long-term rates, and that's kind of what we have now. The two-year treasury is at 2.43%. Uh, if you look at the 10-year Treasury, it's at 2.38%. So the two-year Treasury is actually paying you more than the 10-year. And you would think if you were going to lock your money up for 10 years, you would expect a higher rate. So that's really what an inversion is. The significance of it is is that people point out historically uh, these inversions are associated with recessions. In fact, five of the last six times we've had a recession uh, we had an inversion of the yield curve. However, there's a lot of factors out there, as we talked about even last week, Bob, that don't seem very you know, recessionary. The economy still seems to have a lot of strength underneath it, and we're just going to have to continue to pay attention to the data to see how things play out. Barron's had a front cover issue uh, this week about uh, home buyers being locked out, frustrated first-time home buyers getting a shut out of buying their house because of the rising prices, the rise in mortgage rates, and they're missing out now on being able to buy a home. Is that going to be a problem in the market? It's going to be trouble for younger buyers, for people that are trying to get that first home, Bob. As interest rates go back up, it's going to make mortgages much more expensive. You know, the the price per month, you know, the the budgeting uh, part becomes a little tougher as rates go up, and that's one of the impacts of, of higher rates. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's competitive out there. High, prices are high, you know, a lot of competition for a slow, you know, a low amount of inventory, um, and it's making it really tough on those first-time house, house buyers. Now, look, another study that uh, you looked at as we uh, kind of move to the trends and insights section of the program. Uh, last week, uh, the Journal of the American Heart Association came out and said that avocados could be good for the heart. <laughs> Absolutely. It says that uh, there's a lot of studies here that say that it uh, reduces the amount of some uh, coronary heart disease, about a 21% uh, improvement as far as uh, those that eat avocados. So, uh, that plays well for some investment opportunities out there, like Chipotle, uh, which has been a very popular restaurant stock. Obviously, it's a good way to get your avocados. <laughs> Another uh, kind of interesting factoid uh, concerns a, a very different bear market. Pennsylvania says that hunters there took a total of 3,600-plus bears this year. It's the fifth best harvest of bears in the state history. It seems that they're bearing it all. Well, Pennsylvania, you had a 215,000 hunters out there hunting those bears, and um, but the population steadily grown. Um, Pennsylvania says that now, you know, back in the 70s, they had a population of black bears of about uh, 4,000. Today, it's about 18,000 uh, black bears out there. So this harvest, you know, just helps kind of improve uh, the overall ecosystem out there. But um, 
you know, also from the trends and perspective, you know, looking at the investment side, um, you know, hunting, outdoor activities is still big trends, um, and uh, that plays into some uh, ammunition, gun stocks, things of that nature. So people that are looking at those trends uh, are definitely supported by the amount of hunters, 215,000 out there hunting black bears in Pennsylvania. I guess we'll have to bear with that for, <laughs> there <you> for a while. <laughs> Once again, we're talking to Walt Secura on Invest Wisely, talking about the stock market. If you have any questions, we can uh, take them uh, at this point. Uh, stock Talk is going to be where we talk about particular stocks that you are interested in. So if you have a stock that you're following or that you own or that you'd like to buy or you want to sell, uh, give us a call. Talk to Walt. Get his uh, opinion on that stock at 330-673-1234. If you're outside of Accurate Listening on W1R.com, you can use our toll-free number if you wish at 800 100. Well, we talked about about the price changes earlier in the market. Let's talk more about about price changes on individual stocks and why they can have such a great impact. Well, individual stocks can have much more volatility, and uh, you really have to know what you own uh, to live through this volatility. In fact, if if you look at this year, a lot of stocks are trading significantly off from their 52-week highs. Um, You know, 20%, 30%, 40% down. Um, and if you all know, I mean, it's hard to live through those moments of that extreme volatility. When when you have an index or a mutual fund, sometimes, you know, you have less volatility because you have so many stocks in there. It kind of weathers that, uh, those significant ups and downs a little bit more for you. But uh, with individual stocks, you really have to, and that's why we say, know what you own, know why you own it, because the volatility uh, might be even a little bit more severe. Now, when you talk about that also, when you talk about picking individual stocks, that can be difficult. If the investors should not be focused focused on the, the price of that stock they want to buy, what should they really uh, look at? Well, Bob, we got to look at economic reality. You know, for us, it's number one understanding the business model, the value proposition. You know, what the company really does. Uh, looking at things like revenue and earnings and profitability and margins. Uh, understanding relative valuation, intrinsic valuation, the amount they invest in R and D. Uh, you know, their their shareholder return policy. I mean, there's so many things to focus on that matter more than price. Price, again, is just an offer. Uh, again, when you buy a stock, you, you hold it. You, you don't have to take the prices in the market. That's a lot of times it's irrationality. It's just stocks bouncing around based on what anybody thinks on any given day. But if you have the confidence and you know the value of an underlying company and you hold it for a number of years, that's how you really make money in the stock market. So, uh, when we buy a stock, you know, we're thinking 18 months, 24 months ahead. We're not thinking 18 days, 18 weeks. You know, we're, we're thinking longer term, and that's what's really important to be successful. Let's talk about some of those individual stocks and, and uh, the prices that they are getting. Uh, some earnings reports are coming in still. Uh, two high-end retailers reported last week. One of them was Restoration Hardware. Uh, tell us about Restoration Hardware and their current results and your outlook as an investor. Hardware Bob is a luxury retailer we picked up this year. Um, it's one we followed for a long time. They compete in that $112 billion furniture and home furnishing industry, um, and they're they're a very high-end competitor. Uh, they offer merchandise across a lot of categories. You know, furniture, lighting, textiles, bath decor. You know, children's. I mean, just all kinds of different areas. And, uh, you know, again, very high-end, um, you know, high-priced items uh, that, you know, create a lot of high margins uh, for restoration hardware. Uh, they do a, a showroom business and a catalog business and, and have done, you know, really, really nice job over the years. Um, their return on investment capital is about 33, over 33%. I mean, that's a really strong return on investment capital. 
Uh, last quarter, uh, sales were $902 million over $812 million. It's 11% gain, and it's a 12% gain in profits. And uh, stock trades at about 13 times earnings. We really like uh, restoration hard- hardware at this, one, at this point. And where does it fit in your investment portfolios? Uh, you know, it fits in the small mid-cap um, uh, portfolio for us right now. And again, we just, you know, we think it's a, a pretty pretty uh, strong story as we look out over the next three to five years. Once again, Walt Sakira is our expert on Invest Wisely, taking your calls at 330-673-1234 on individual stocks and the stock market. Good morning. You're on WNIR. Morning. Hey, Walt, you're right about giving uh, stocks some time. I've been going over, I've been working on my book and uh, some of the, going back, 40 years on why I bought certain stocks. It took me 30 years to get that Matson to start doing something. And some of these, it takes at least 10 years or, or so. But anyway, you're right on that. But I wanted to ask you, there's such good opportunities right now. The things I'm getting excited about is Whirlpool, Stanley Black & Decker, and uh, Walgreen Boots. Uh, any of those three on your radar, they're making new lows, and I know there's reasons why they're down, but for, the, for a long-term investment, those three. Uh, all strong companies. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it's, some of them have obviously suffered with supply chain and, um, you know, some of the material costs and things that are going on right now. But, uh, yeah, Whirlpool, I mean, we, we follow, again, profitability the last two quarters. They've struggled, but, you know, you're right. Trading at six times earnings, um, you can't hardly, you know, not take a look at that at that company. Um, the other one, she said, Stanley Black and Decker. Um, yeah. Again, pretty strong. Last quarter was rough, but again, 13 times earnings. Uh, surely, surely looks attractive here. And Walgreens Boots, uh, you know, again, also uh, putting up some really strong numbers actually. And then uh, eight times earnings, and, and you got a really nice dividend story here with Walgreens Boots, a 4.4 percent yield. Three, three pretty strong companies there, Ken. Okay, yeah. I'm, uh... I'm in withdrawal this morning. I didn't get my bearings at the P.O. box yesterday. There's a, a problem with the mail, so uh, <laughs> I'll get over it. Maybe it'll be there Monday. So you guys have a good week. Thank you. All right, Ken. Take care. I mean, even the postman wants to read the bearings over the weekend. There so you go. Maybe <laughs> gotta, it, huh? Give the guy a break. <laughs> uh, another retailer that reported was Lululemon Athletica. They make uh, athletic apparel, and uh, they were doing pretty well uh, during the uh, pandemic. Uh, tell us about that stock and their current results. Uh, current c- continue to do well, Bob. Uh, you know, we look at sales were uh, $2.1 billion over $1.7 billion. That's a 23% revenue growth for the quarter. 31% profit growth. Uh, again, you know, Lululemon is the, one of those retailers. They offer, you know, high-end athletic apparel uh, for women, men, girls. Uh, you know, I, I think the yoga pants and the, their yoga offerings have been kind of where the company started, but they've expanded now into a lot of different areas. And uh, fashion retailing is definitely, you know, something that's there. They have 550 company-owned stores in 17 countries, and also do a pretty impressive mail order business, um, so uh, you know pretty pretty uh, strong results. And they battled through some tough times here. These retailers that can put up these kind of numbers, knowing that there's supply chain issues and uh, you know cost issues, you know within the products themselves, and, and they're still showing this kind of profitability uh, lends really well if you look over the next couple of years. Another retailer who uh, one could say has a uh, lost a lot of bark from its bite is a Chewy.com, the pet food people and pet supply people. They are struggling 
now. And uh, while you don't own Chewy, you follow the stock. What do you think is going on there? Well, you know, Bob, this is a strong, I think, long-term retailer. Again, this is when you got to think forward a little bit. I mean, they've built a pretty strong brand in a short period of time. They have a lot of very loyal customers, but um, they've been impacted. You know, again, very, very difficult time for them. Uh, they've had increases in wages that they've had to pay for people in their fulfillment centers, uh, as well as the supply chain and, and cost issues of materials. So the profitability has been squeezed a little bit. Uh, they're growing revenue very, very strong. I mean, you look at the last couple quarters, even this quarter, they did $2.3 billion over $2 billion, But profitability is not there. And this is a company that, you know, uh, they were hoping to turn a profit last year and then hopefully this year. And it looks like those profits might not come till next year. So uh, the market doesn't, you know, they're not favoring companies that aren't showing profits and uh, you know, so at this point, this is just uh, one that's a little bit less, uh, you know, welcome out there on Wall Street than others. But uh, long term, still probably a pretty interesting stock and trading here at pretty low levels, around forty dollars a share. So it's, uh, if you got a longer term perspective, it may not be a bad time to look at Chewy. I have to say, as a as customers of Chewy, my wife and I have been buying so much from them over during the pandemic. Uh, I guess it's the supply chain problems, but we've noticed that. Our favorite brands of pet food are no longer available. Our favorite kind of, of uh, for example, cat litter is no longer available from them, and uh, we couldn't get any response out of them as to why or when they would get it. We've had to go to other sources, i.e. Amazon, to get uh, what we want. So that is an impact on a company. If it is the supply chain problems or, or something else, there seems to be something going on there that, uh, uh, as you say, hopefully will be uh, corrected because in the main, we certainly like their service and, and the prices uh, have been good. But uh, once more, the consumer has to get what they want. And if we have to go somewhere else to get the product we want, uh, we certainly do that. That's right. Consumers have all the power, Bob. I mean, and as consumers, if you're right, we, if we don't get it the way we want it, we're going to go somewhere else. So uh, Chewy's working hard. I mean, again, they're going to compete, but there's a lot of competitors out there that took a look at the space and Amazon being one of them, as you mentioned. So it'll be interesting to watch the trends as we go forward over the next couple of quarters. A couple of other stocks in the news last week, uh, not earnings related, but Tesla is going to have another stock split. In 2000, they split the stock five for one. They plan another stock split this time. And uh, what is the advantage of a stock split to the company and even to the stockholder? Is that a good thing? A lot of companies have gotten nice movements in their stock price with these uh, stock splits. Again, as we talk, it's fairly cosmetic. Well, it doesn't change anything financially about the company, just more shares. The share price becomes less. And as we said, because of the hyper-attention on price, you know, everybody's kind of focused on price. Um, Sometimes a lower price seems like a better opportunity for people to invest. So it's, uh, again, it, you're just creating more shares. It doesn't create more revenue. It doesn't create more profits. It really is just a cosmetic thing that, that the company does. But um, it's uh, something that we've seen, you know, other companies do in the last year or two and had really positive reactions in the market. And Tesla's just following suit. Now, are they talking about a two-for-one split or something more than that? No details yet. They're going to talk about it at their uh, next shareholder meeting coming up uh, later this year. So uh, that's what probably we'll see at the end of next year, the beginning of, the, of 2023. Now, in the main, of course, uh, the automakers are struggling still with the shortage of uh, computer chips for the uh, for the modern automobile. Uh, it needs so much electronics in it, and that has been a problem. Both General Motors and Toyota have reported lower new vehicle sales. They say that's not because nobody wants them. It's because they don't have the vehicles there because they can't build them 
because of the ongoing chip shortage. Now, what is the word on that? Is there any indication that the uh, chip shortage is going to end anytime soon? Well, it's it's tough out there. I mean, they're you know they're working hard. Um, I'm sure the chip companies are working hard to get the production back online. But as you said, General Motors uh, first quarter saw you know new vehicles shrink 15 percent. Toyota down 20 percent. Um, it's you know it's definitely impacting the availability of new cars. Um, I know I have a F-150 coming up here and on a lease, and I was talking to a Clayton Ford over here in Kent and. Uh, Roscoe there, and he was telling me that uh, you know they they don't have a lot on the lot still. So uh, you know we, those those imbalances will probably be you know fixed, but it it, it seems like some of those disruptions, especially over in Asia, uh, you know the current round of COVID issues, uh, all those little disruptions continue uh, to disrupt the the chips and the auto companies and, and a lot of other industries as well. So again, something to really pay attention to and contributing to those inflationary pressures and. Uh, some of the challenges of the economy as we look forward over the next uh, next nine nine to twelve months. I've noticed on uh, on television that Ford is advertising uh, that you can order and should order your your new vehicle custom order it uh, rather than to try to buy one off the lot. And I well I know that when you do custom order a car, the dealers kind of like that because that means they've already sold that car; they don't have to have it uh, as it part of the floor plan or have it on the lot for a couple of months. So they kind of like that and always have, but. Now they're pushing it to the general public. Is that because they don't have the cars on the lot to show you, or because yeah, think, uh, uh, they really you know think this is a better way for people to buy a car? Well, I think it's it's that just in time supply chain management you know taken to a new level where you know they're trying to get, manage that supply chain well, get the cars that they know they're going to sell quickly. They don't have as many sitting on the lots, and and again making customers happy. You know they'd rather. You know, send that message and have you order and get the car when you're looking for it and have some, some more knowledge of when it'll be there as opposed to walking to a lot and uh, being disappointed by not having a, a much inventory sitting there. So uh, just trying to change the behavior of customers a little bit in that, in that auto market. Once again, we're talking to Walt Secure of the AKW Group in Akron. Now, they are a member of the Robert W. Baird organization. Worldwide, they provide advice in, on wealth management, asset management, investment, banking, capital markets, and more. They can give individual advice to people on estate plans, uh, financial planning, retirement planning. They can do tax reviews, very important this time of the year, uh, Roth conversions, uh, uh, talk about uh, Social Security decisions, and more. A lot more advice than just uh, what stocks to buy and how long to own them. So if you're, you're really looking for somebody that will give you good advice on your investments and uh, other thing behind them, too, uh, consider calling the folks at the AKW Group uh, locally there in Akron and uh, on West Market Street. It's 234-466-7476. 234-466-7476. They have another office in suburban Pittsburgh in Washington, Pennsylvania. A Sue Marshall runs that office there, and you can reach uh, them at 412-480-5090, 412-480-5090. When you do, of course, mention that you heard him on WNIR Kent Akron, and that'll be uh, good for, for all of us. In fact, it's getting so good for all of us, We're considering that uh, we might like to extend the program here from just the half hour from 8.30 to 9, but pick up another half hour and be on the, all the air all the way till 9.30 in the morning. And we've been talking about that here uh, between uh, Walt and the station, and I wonder if the uh, listeners might like to also give their input, if they'd like to hear uh, another whole hour of Invest Wisely every Sunday morning live. 
Yeah, Bob, we, we definitely would love some input. If anybody wants to call the office, talk to Abby or Kevin. Um, let us know if you'd like to see that hour and if you have any suggestions on what you'd like to see. Uh, you know, we like to, again, I don't like to just hear myself talk. I want to know that I'm doing some good out there. So if any listeners want to offer some uh, input, we would love to hear what you have to say. Once again, if you'd like to hear more of Invest Wisely every single Sunday here on WNIR, uh, call them up, 234-466-7476. Let Walt Secure and his team know that uh, you'd like to hear more of them on Sundays. It's 234-466-7476. Talk to you next Sunday, Walt. Thanks, Walt. During today's broadcast, the following individual stocks were mentioned and discussed. Amazon.com, symbol A-M-Z-N. Chewy Inc., symbol C-H-W-Y. Chipotle Mexican Grill Inc., symbol CMG. Ford Motor Company, symbol F. General Motors, symbol GM. Lululemon Athletica Inc., symbol L-U-L-U. Matson Inc., symbol M-A-T-X. R-H Inc., symbol R-H. Stanley Black & Decker Inc., symbol S-W-K. Tesla Inc., symbol TSLA. Toyota Motor Corporation, symbol TM. Walgreens Boot Alliance Inc., symbol WBA, and Whirlpool Corporation, symbol WHR. Please note that Robert W. Barrett and Company Incorporated makes a market in all the securities of these companies discussed during today's broadcast.